listening to Season 2, Episode 8. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Shop. I'm so pleased that you are here and tuning in to the podcast. Before I get started with this week's episode, I thought I would tell you a little bit more about what I'm going to be up to for the next few weeks. So... On the 18th of January, I am speaking at Startup 2020 with Catherine Erdley about what it takes to get your products into a big retailer. And on the 28th of January, I'm taking part in a panel with Rosie from PR Dispatch at Peckham Levels, which is Should I Do a Trade Show? It's at 6 30 p.m. and tickets are available on the PR Dispatch website and I'm going to leave links in the bio so that you can go and check it out. This week I'm speaking to the brilliant Yana from The Completist. The Completist is one of those stationary brands that I just really really admire so I'm so pleased that Yana agreed to come on the podcast. And not only did she agree to come on the podcast, but this was also one of those episodes that I lost because of my technical difficulties, so we had to record it twice. So thank you so much, Yana, for being so patient with me. We do talk a little bit about having mentors and coaches in the beginning of the episode, and I did debate whether I would keep it in the episode or not, because I didn't want it to come across negative, obviously, but I don't think it does. I think it's really important to talk about these things. I decided to keep it in. The point with the conversation was more that before you start investing in money with working with someone, make sure that they are the right fit for you, that they can actually help you with what you need help with. So go and have a conversation with them, maybe follow them for a while, whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that they can help you in your business. From a personal point of view, that's exactly why I offer discovery calls because I want to work with business owners that I feel that I can generally help. So before we start working together or have a strategy day, for example, I would love to speak to you. I mean, sometimes that is by DM, sometimes that's by email. And a lot of times that is by a phone call or even in person if we met at an event and stuff. The point is that I want to work with people that I can help and you should only hire and invest in people that you feel can really help your business. We talk about a lot of other things such as trade shows and wholesale and all that good stuff. Yana shares so generously all her top tips and I hope that you will enjoy this episode It is a long episode and I hope that you enjoy your making or packing orders or whatever you do while you are listening. I would love to see what you are up to so do share over on Instagram and tag me. I'm small underscore business underscore collaborative and without further ado here's my talk with Jana from The Completist. Hello Jana, welcome to Let's Talk Shop. Thank you so much for coming on the show Again, uh, <laughs> I had a bit of problems with the recording, so this is the second time we're recording, so thank you so much. No problems. Thanks for having me. 
I would love for to start off with you introducing yourself and what you do. Yep. So, yeah, obviously, I'm Jana from The Completist. And uh, together with my husband, Marco, we run a printed paper goods uh, company, mainly planners and cards and gift wrap. Uh, yeah, all bold and printed and colourful. So what was your background? How come you... St- started the completest then when did you get started so it's a bit of a long-winded story I um I was working I've worked my whole life in fashion and um I had a bit of a crisis around my 30th birthday that I wasn't being creative enough so I started I really wanted to get back into fashion illustration so I started a blog of um like drawing all the time to kind of make myself accountable and post it somewhere so people could you know I was posting it so people would be looking out for it and I did that for about four years Um, and then I went freelance and thought oh I'll try and sell some of these sketches because you know they were getting pretty good and trying to make money out of illustration like that is a pretty niche thing um mm. i think people that people that try and uh, make a career out of being an illustrator like that generally make more of their money out of commissions and uh, things like that rather than actually selling their work so much uh so i started also doing like prints and things like that just playing with kind of surface design and put all kinds of these like 80s inspired prints and patterns onto cards and people really responded to them and that kind of set me on the path to making cards and and yeah then it just snowballed from there basically where did you first start selling did you have your own website from yeah. the beginning yeah from well no from sort of um July 2017 I had an e-com website and I probably made and and an Etsy and I probably made you know like a hundred pounds off it it wasn't particularly lucrative at the time but Mm. um yeah that's that's how it started yeah and when did you decide that this is a business and just gonna go for it so I won a competition through the company that I print my cards with. Um, it was it's called it was called the Business Booster Competition, and I won along with um, another small business uh, part of a stand at Top Draw, and we realized really quickly how uh, how much of an opportunity it is to build your business at a trade show, um, and thankfully we were able to have our first experience kind of on someone else's dime basically um so once we'd done that we were like right okay yeah we need to do a trade show we really want to make a go of this this is the platform that we need to launch from and yeah that kind of set things in stone for us really and when was that that was that was january 2018 so that's when we kind of count the business properly starting from there so that's not very long ago no grown quite quickly then how did you find doing a trade show for the first time well I mean if you count the one that we won with the competition we I didn't really know what to expect I'd visited trade shows before but I'd I'd never obviously shown at one but the good thing was was that because I won the competition through this other company they set up the stand for me they did everything I just basically had to turn up and kind of put my product on the wall and stand there so you know what like obviously I would have liked to have shown loads more products and had more space but it was a fantastic introduction to kind of know what it was like at a very 
with, with very low risk, if you know what I mean. Um, and to then say uh, and go around and experience it and speak to other people and uh, see what we would do if we had the stand completely to ourselves to do whatever we wanted to do with. And you know, we met we met people from other companies who gave us tips on like we got we found our um, supplier for our biodegradable film bags for our cards as a contact through the company that was on the stand next door to us at that show. Uh, so, you know, even at, at a very small level that we had literally a square meter to show our things, we had yeah. a lot of, there were a lot of opportunities to kind of network and um, get more information. And trade shows are great for that. They're not, yeah. of course, we're there to sell, but at those quiet moments, we can make so good connections. And- yeah. And, you know, it's important to have business friends and help each other. Completely, completely. I mean, that's how I've, like, you know, being a small business owner or a freelancer can be really lonely at times for some people. Me personally, I love being by myself. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm so that kind of person. (laughs) Um, But for some people, it can be really lonely. And a lot of my close friends now I've met through doing these shows and people introducing me to other people and you know and then yeah I like at, at one of I think it was the trade show before last the last top draw I did which was in January you know <clears throat> I knew for example that Vicky from Mean Mail wanted to meet the the contact from the design museum who yeah. I I knew because we work with the design museum so I was able to take her over there and introduce her because you know we're friends uh, uh, Vicky and I do completely different things you know we're not competing with each other necessarily so I'm happy to share that you know and I know that she would help me if I needed help you yeah. know so it's a nice little community and you know everyone's happy to help each other within reason you know so. yeah and I think that's so lovely like even if you like being by yourself maybe even particularly if you like being by yourself, it's important to challenge yourself and not always hide and hibernate. Yes, that's true. And also, I mean, it helps because you can, you know, you can get out and speak to other people in your same situation. And, you know, it's nice just to have um, sounding boards and people to just talk about you know, your day-to-day woes with or, you know, you kind of be like, oh, is business quiet for you or are you really busy or have you done this straight? Like, you know, you can just kind of um, share those experiences with people that, you know, friends that are outside of the industry wouldn't be able to tell you about their experiences with trade shows or suppliers or things like that. So there's an understanding there and, you know, thankfully, most of the people I've met so far, I've I've quite liked, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that definitely helps. And, and you run the business together with your husband. Is he also working full time in the business, or what does he do? No, so he's a corporate investigator, and he freelances. But he does that mostly, but he helps with a lot of the product development. Uh, side of things and with his background in his career he's very good at finding information and suppliers and he's quite relentless with that where I will kind of get to the second page of Google and give up he will (laughs) continue and find the right suppliers and he quite enjoys kind of getting to the bottom of things and doing that research so yeah I'm happy to leave him with that while I do other things but yeah. And obviously he helps set up at trade shows and he's there with, you know, um, he, he does a stand with me at trade shows as well. He's obviously quite good at selling the product and we kind of work quite well together in that 
regard. So yeah, it's it's a team effort. That's so nice, and like you can have a sounding board there, and you complement each other. Then that's really good. Yeah, he. I mean, he's not from a design background, but he's got good ideas and he has a lot of opinions and uh, we clash sometimes but it is I know again being a small business owner working by yourself sometimes it's hard to kind of step back and get perspective on what you're doing and I know a lot of people uh, you know want to get business coaches or mentors and things like that and um, actually I went to a talk with Enterprise Nation and someone brought up co-mentoring and I that's kind of how Mm. I look at what what we do it's almost like a co-mentoring thing where we can kind of reflect and kind of bounce ideas off each other and you know he gets it because he's in the business and you know, it, it, I'm quite fortunate in that regard that I'm not running it completely by myself. I think it's so important to have that person. Like a mentor, of course, you know, you can pay a mentor, but it also doesn't have to be a paid thing. It could be no. someone, a business friend that does something completely different to you, but can still understand the ins and outs of running a business. And you can kind of challenge each other and help each other along the way yeah and sometimes those business mentors you come across and business coaches and things in in my opinion from sometimes and what I've seen they're not always necessarily worth it hard to find someone that necessarily gets what you do and where you're coming from and I think a lot of people will sell themselves as being mentors but in my experience and this is just me because I grew up you know in a family business, you know, my parents ran and my dad still runs a successful plant nursery in Sydney and he does a lot of other things on the side as well. I grew up Mm. in that environment and, you know, being there day to day, helping out with the books, you know, seeing how things are run. I like to think I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders for the, you know, the basics of business and how things are run and, you know, that kind of thing. So, there's a lot of I think people that come in and they don't have that experience so there are certain kinds of business coaches that are good for them in that regard but I find that some a lot of people for me will say things that are quite obvious but finding someone that can give you that real like sort of in-depth help that isn't just really obvious is hard to find so yeah that's why it's good having Marco because he he is good at that stuff and he challenges me quite a bit um you know even if we come back around to the original idea at least you know you've thought Mm. through it and you've kind of looked at it from all different angles and you're not just going okay that was the first idea I had so I'm going to go with it you know it's good to have that person I I think that there's so many so much noise out there so it's good to have someone that you trust definitely yeah I mean it's and it's hard you know to you see so many people with so much advice you know even like when I was starting out and there's so many of these like free you know how to make your Instagram amazing all of those things right and I did a few of those and of course yeah the free webinars and they want you to sign up for a 700 pound course or whatever and okay fine they've got money to make you know go go right ahead but I I do so many of those and you know you just think oh god I I don't know they're not it's hard to get past all of that and find the information that's actually useful because anyone can call themselves an expert these days yeah I have that like I feel that a lot and we all have suffer from imposter syndrome sometimes oh yeah but you know there's a lot of experts with a year's experience of something like 
just a year or, you know, even less. <laughs> well, it's very easy to call yourself an expert and be really, as long as you're confident about it and you sound like you know what you're talking about, mm. um, you know, people will take your word for it. And I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I see a lot of fluff out there. Um, and I've had this discussion with a few of my friends actually. And, and actually you were saying it's quite difficult to, you know, you can go to a lot of seminars that are um, good for people that are about to start a business or just mm. starting a business. Um, you know, there's a lot of information for that kind of level, but for people that are maybe a year or two in, that have got a bit of experience that are wanting to kind of take things to the next level. There's not so much of that. I think you really have to find the right yeah. person for you in that case. Because, I, I mean, from the year that I've been doing this business, I, I kind of come to a lot of the same conclusions as you, which sounds weird for maybe someone doing what I'm doing to say, but there's so much fluff and so much, oh, get do this webinar and you get this. And it's they're promising the world. It's, it's easy solutions. And, and, but I mean, that's good for you too, because then you know kind of what not to do and what's out there and, and how not to approach it. And I think people yeah. appreciate that. You know. It just has to not connect with me. Like you will not. I, I, I mean, I've done obviously lives and I do that sort of thing. But I would never go like, and now if you sign up within the next 20 minutes, oh, you get no. <laughs> I mean, look, you probably make a lot of money, but how many people, oh, right? yeah. it, I don't know, I, I think it's all. But of... that's not why I went into this business. No. And it's the same as you probably, you know, if Poundland came to you and said, oh, do this for me, you would not feel that, that was your brand either or what well, you wanted to do. this is the thing. I've... I've had a couple of uh, people approach me, not Poundland, but um, but sim like not even similar people, but people that you know would be very very lucrative accounts, um, mm -hmm. but that I didn't feel were right for the brand. And it, look, it's just a, it depends on your approach to business, right? Either you yeah. are in it because you want to make a lot of money, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Not. Or for me, I always wanted to make a business that I was proud of that I could build and you know yeah have something in, and look at it and go yeah I really like this thing that I do and that I've made um and so I've had like I said big people approach me and I've had to turn them down because you know I don't think that they're right for the brand um yeah. you know and I and it, I, it's just a different approach I suppose I probably would be even more successful now had I taken those but I don't know if I'd be happy with where things were so you know yeah and I love that I love that you want to build something that is true to what your values are yeah I, I think that you know if you I absolutely do not like have anything against people that want to build th those other types of businesses that's great for them you know yeah it's we all want different things I suppose yeah. out of our businesses yeah completely no, like there's no judgment, but you've got to know what, I guess, set out what you're setting out to do and what you want to do yeah, and, and follow that. So you don't lose the passion or the interest. Yeah. Otherwise you're building something, then you might sell it and then move on. It's, it's maybe that's great for some people, but other people want to do differently. <laughs> well, look, I, I was saying uh, to Marco the other day that this is the first time I've been in a job, call it a job because it's my business, that I've it actually, is a job. <laughs> yeah, that I've actually genuinely enjoyed and I go to work and I like 
working there. And it's funny that I've had to create my own job to get that kind of satisfaction. But, you know, um, that that's what I want. I still want to be doing this in 10 years time, you know, what yeah. I mean? where some people, you know, maybe they want to build something up, something really quickly and then sell it on and, you know, also completely valid. But yeah, I want it to so that I have a day job that I really like that. Yeah. So yeah, I can't, I, at this point, I can't imagine doing anything else. So yeah, I guess that's when you know you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, I love that. I think that your customers connect with that too. Yeah. And, you know, that's why people keep coming back for more. Yeah. So uh, you have basically then been wholesaling almost from the beginning. Since, yep. And yeah. was that, you know, you won the stand, had you thought about wholesaling or selling to shops already by the time? Oh, yeah. You got- yeah, I had already. So the way I started actually, even before then, and I, I've got, I think back now on my line sheet at the time and the, the range that I had, and it was total rubbish, but that was always the uh that was the aim from the beginning I went out and actually walked around London parts of London approaching stores dropping my line sheet in it that didn't work and I don't think people want to be approached that way but you've got to try it right because you never know what yeah you just don't know what's going to and if it's your local gift shop in your village or your small town they might not mind actually you know and actually funny Funny you should say that because one of the very, actually the very, very first store that I popped into that I ended up having a chat with the store owner at the time has last night just placed her first wholesale order with me. So, you know, (laughs) it took nearly two years, but, you know, we got there in the end. Um, But, you know, you but it. Either way, you're kind of getting yourself on people's radar and, you know, it was never a bad thing, but um, I don't, I generally don't think people want to be approached in that way. My experience is that people, um, are they buy at trade shows. They go to trade shows because they're in the frame of mind to be buying and finding new brands. And that's for what I do anyway, that's really the best platform to get in front of people. But we do approach people, you know, cold emails and things like that as well. Um, But wholesale was the um, aim from the beginning because we recognize that in order to kind of make it um, a viable business, it's really hard to stand out amongst everybody else online. Um, mm. especially in greeting cards because there's so many people. Uh, then that's what it started with. There's so, so many people doing <laughs> greeting cards. And and really, how many people are buying cards online? Actually, I don't think that many. I don't sell that many cards online. I sell loads of my planners online. People buy that online. Mm. Um, so we realized quite quickly that it was wholesale that was going to make it a viable business. And, yeah, I got I found, got my first first um wholesale contacts and order from that show um at that top draw in January and do you who was your first stockist that was search and rescue in Stoke Newington oh and they they were stocking you uh not anymore at the moment um but you know that's not to say it comes and goes doesn't it it? comes (laughs) and goes look people in in um a lot of stores in places like stoke newington or we've got you know other stockists that are in kind of small villages they'll stock you for a little while and then like they'll phase you in and out because people kind of get sick of seeing the same things all the time which is totally understandable i mean that's why we have new cards coming through all the time so that helps keeps us fresh but yeah they you know people cycle things in and out which is especially with cards yeah. Whereas with planners, I feel like if you found your planner, 
you want to buy the same plan (laughs) yeah definitely but and you know and and I find that with my cards with my planners the best sellers are still the best sellers Mm. um my best-selling card still sells double any of the other cards that I have um and it's been that way from the very beginning it was one of the very first cards I designed and you know it's it's funny it's starting to slow down a little bit but two years it's still going strong it's still my bestseller that's incredible yeah so how has your range changed in that time have you because you came from a fashion background how how many products did you launch with and how how do you kind of manage your range now so um at the very beginning when I launched the e-commerce store to begin with it was kind of a bit of a scattergun approach and you know I, I had wanted to do I did some screen prints and I had some tote bags and the cards and then I added gift wrap and I had the illustrations and it was all a bit of a mishmash and none of it really made sense together um and once once I won the competition Marco and I sat down and went right okay we really need to look at everything as a whole and work out where we want to take this brand what we want it Mm. to be what makes sense because you know, at the, we always felt like everything was a bit haphazard and it didn't make sense to the, the um, customer. And it's funny because coming from fashion and especially certain companies like Burberry, for example, that they have range plans and range plans and range plans. And I hadn't, I'd started my business and I hadn't done a range plan, which was so obvious at the time. Mm. And um, and so we put everything on the living room floor and kind of went, right, okay, what are we like? What are we not like? And just kind of process of elimination, decided what, what we wanted the brand to be and then made a range plan um, and said, right, okay, at least from the very beginning to give ourselves some structure. Yeah. Said, right, okay, we're going to, you know, do – eight cards and three notebooks and, you know, ha- basically had a sheet with boxes to fill to say, okay, we've got enough of a mix of everything. And that helped at the beginning. Now the way that we do it is that we've got our catalogue uh, and we kind of look at our sales figures and then, you know, uh, drop anything that sells under a certain amount and then fill that yeah. in with new newness. Um, it's basically one in, one out at the moment. Um yeah. Especially with cards, because uh, you, you can, can get you can get in. to a point where there's too many, and if yeah. there's too much choice, people can't choose, and then you're not really selling much of anything. Too overwhelming and too much yeah. to keep in store. Yeah, I mean it's good because they can swap things in and out, as I said. But at the same time, that when they're like, "Oh God, a hundred birthday cards, how do I ever choose?" Yeah, you know, you can give people too much choice. When it's something like um, planners, when you're trying to grow it, um, certainly that helps to have more and more variety. But again, it, I I found that it helps to get more variety in terms of um, like rather than adding more and more daily planners, we've gone into weekly planners and pocket planners. You've got different yeah. formats and it's kind of expanding in that way rather than necessarily adding more and more designs because it's just too much, as tempting as that is because – Believe me, I design a lot and I would ideally want to put everything out there, but you you have to edit yourself. So you have a queue of designs that you kind of just face in when when 
when it's time yeah well and the, the good thing is is that you'll have a retailer come to you like I had um, one of my big stockists come to me a couple of weeks ago and say right I need Mother's Day and Easter cards mm. and I was able to look back through the stuff that I had that I hadn't used yet and kind of put throw that together quickly and send it out to them rather than having to start from scratch oh, so that definitely perfect. helps yeah yeah and who was your big, uh, like, first big wholesale stockist? Uh, Selfridges. That's amazing. How did that come about? So that was when, so the first trade show that we decided to do by ourselves was Pulse. Um, yeah. And that doesn't, they've rolled, the, um, rolled that into Top Drawer now, but at the time it was still a standalone show. And we had a little A-frame of gift wrap at the front of our stand that kept catching people as they walked past. And the Selfridges buyers came past and their, the gift wrap caught their eye because they were looking for gift wrap at the time. And yeah, they started ordering gift wrap and cards. And now it's like we've got a whole section of stationery of all the planners and the planner pads. And uh, they're about to start stocking our sketchbooks as well. So oh. it's been a good ongoing relationship with them they're 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 really lovely to work with I I really like my selfridges buyers oh that's so. so nice yeah it helps because they do have some processes do you find it tricky to get your head around like you know the labeling and all oh my these god, things yeah. oh my god and and yes that was well again coming from Burberry I was kind of used to um you know I and also having worked in the high street like I knew if you didn't deliver stock within a certain hour in the day then you'd get fined and things like that like it's when you read their terms and conditions it's very overwhelming yeah um and you and I and I and it, you kind of freak out and think, oh, my God, am I just going to have to drive the stock to Birmingham myself? <laughs> it's going to be the only way to do it properly. You don't have to do that. <laughs> and I've had other companies that have since started working with Selfridges come to me panicking about the same thing. And I'm like, don't worry, it's fine. You know, but it is um, it is rather intimidating when you first start but it, it's okay you just got to work through it and just all they want is for things to be labeled really clearly <clears throat> and for the numbers to be completely correct which because they well, at least Selfridges give you the price stickers so you yeah. know the numbers are correct because you're stickering everything it's kind yeah. of like you know it's, it's <laughs> double <pretty> checking <laughs> uh but yeah. um yeah it's it's not as overwhelming as it appears when you first look at all the paperwork. I also find that once you've read a couple, they're pretty similar often. They have a few variations, but they start making sense once you start shipping a little bit more volume. Yeah, and most of the time, I mean, it, look, it depends between retailers, but most of the time it's more just... They want you to email their um, their warehouse and book in a time for the stock to arrive there. That's which is logical. Is, which is logical. Um, Selfridges definitely is the most kind of strict about all the labeling and you know packaging and all of that. But most of the time, it it actually because you know now we work with um, you know design museum like quite a few museums. We've started working with Paul Smith as well. Um, oh, nice! And, yeah, which is really that's exciting. A great, like I feel like that's a great fit. <laughs> it's pan fantastic, also because they stock our notebooks, which are made in Nottingham, and Paul Smith is based in Nottingham, so it's a lovely oh, tie in there. But yeah, most of it is just they want you to book it into the warehouse when you're going to deliver it. And, you know, 
if anyone wants to know, I use DPD. They're, you know, they also know the processes because I called mm. my DPD contact and I was panicking and saying, yeah. oh, but I've got this delivery slot and it's a half hour slot and it has to be there and I'm going to get fined. And she was like, don't worry, they know because if they don't deliver it at the right time, then they get in trouble as well. So yeah, they yeah. have a contract with them as well, usually. Yeah. yeah. You know, do you do all your sales yourself? Do you have any help? How do you, you know, structure it all? Yeah, so I've been doing it all myself. Marco helps when he can, um, but it's basically me by myself, which is a lot of work for one person. Um, Lucky I quite enjoy packing things. I quite enjoy the tedious, repetitive tasks, and I'll throw on a podcast and kind of just pack away. I love packing and labeling. I actually quite miss that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah me too me too I love I, I I bring home like cards of an evening and yeah. them while I'm watching Mad Men it's great but actually I've I've got someone starting to help me um on Friday actually Ooh. um yeah but, well because the other thing is I have I've had so many people approach me for internships which is really flattering because I think oh god you know you think I'm I'm this big company and it's just <laughs> at, the t- at the time when I got a lot of emails it was me in my spare room and I was like yeah oh, this is so sweet that you want to come and intern with me um but we always had a had a policy that we would never take any free help like even as an internship I don't think it's the right or the I don't think it's the right thing to do especially for even for students like even if it's your internship and it's part of your course like a lot I've seen it a lot in fashion a lot of people yeah. come to London for a few months okay yes they have a student loan it covers that but you're living in London like you know I, and your work and I've seen the way these people intern they're essentially doing a job they're not shadowing people they're working yeah. and it's their time and they deserve to be paid even if it's minimum wage people deserve to be paid for their time yeah. so I always said I would never have someone until I was able to pay for them I love that because I, yeah, I worked in publishing and, you know, publishing relies on interns a lot. Yeah, as fashion does too. Yeah, and it never sat right with me, ever. Uh, I know they, you know, we we approach a lot because people want to be publishing, but it never sat with me, even though I really needed the help. And we did have interns, but like I really wanted to, you know, pay them. Yeah, I, 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 for me personally, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the right thing to do. So, yeah, yes, I have help starting on Friday, and she's getting paid. <laughs> so <laughs> That's there so you go. exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Was it hard to find the right person? Do you think, or uh, actually, um, so my studio is in a screen printing studio, and they have interns at the screen printing studio. And the manager approached me and said, "Oh, there's this girl that's come in, that's going to be working with me, and she would be. She seems like she'd be a great fit for you. She's done her. She did her MA, I think, in graphic design, and um, was looking to get into like branding and packaging and stuff." And had done illustration and things like that. So yeah, it was kind of actually um, word of word of mouth that way that we've we've found her. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, so she's interning with the studio, and she'll also be working with us as well. So it's convenient for her too. Oh, perfect! So she just has to go one place. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. And so, how do you go about? You said you do write a few um, cold emails and stuff. But in general, do you meet most of your new retailers at trade shows? Yeah, 
Yeah, mostly we do. I mean, it's got to the point now, and I think anyone who's started a business like this, initially you're the one kind of hounding people, not hounding, but you're the one approaching people from the beginning. And then once you start getting a few stockists um, and establishing a name for yourself, people start approaching you, which is Mm -hmm. really nice. Also, because I've been so busy recently, I haven't had time to be doing that kind of business development. So it's nice that they start approaching you. And the good thing is once you get a few stockists, they start posting about you. Shops follow other shops. They see your, like I've had people say, oh, I saw your stuff in X shop. I really want to sell you in mine as well. You know, it kind of just snowballs from there, but definitely trade shows. I mean, anyone who wants to do cards, stationery, this kind of a business, you know, if you can afford it, doing a trade show is just one for us at least has been 100% the way to go and what would be your top tips for someone that is doing their first trade show well I think first of all the most important thing that I have found is making sure that you have a good location at the trade show because there's nothing worse than being at a trade show and being at a in a part of the show that has um, not very good footfall because Mm. you spend a lot of money to be there, not just on your stand itself, but, you know, on your samples, on your stand build, time and effort to find that you're at the end of a row where no one goes or you're in a mezzanine level that no one really bothers with is completely um, demoralizing and heartbreaking. Or know of sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. People miss things. Like I've been at trade shows uh, and because the thing is sometimes they rearrange the show so I've been at trade Mm. shows thinking I was in a great place and then the show's rearranged what it's going to be and then all of a sudden you're at the end of a row where people you see people stop halfway down look down the end see that they think there's nothing interesting Mm -hmm. there and turn around and keep walking away in the other direction it's so sad (laughs) oh I know and then you have established stockers say oh I was there I couldn't find you and you think oh my god I was right there what you know what did I miss out on because you didn't see me it's just nothing worse so you need to and it depends on the show. I know Top Draw will let you kind of look at the map and you can choose your location. The problem with that is that a lot of people, once they've got a good location, they'll rebook and rebook. So mm-hmm. it's hard to necessarily get the, the best locations, but you can certainly, you know, have a good go at trying to find a good place and know who's around you as well, whether the brands around you are going to, you know, uh, compliment you or, you know, um, they, they will sometimes give you that information. With Maison in Paris, it's completely up to them. Um, and I remember panicking, saying, oh, I want to know what my location is and who I'm next to. And they just yeah. kept saying, trust me, trust me. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> uh, I want to have control over everything. But actually, um, the way that they lay it out at Maison um, is that the at least like the cards and station, they have a whole hall called smart gift. So you are scattered about like there, you know, we were next to, we were across from a guy that did these amazing um, screen printed movie posters and then diagonally across from Notum, which is a Danish stationary Mm. brand. So we were near people that were totally different and also complimentary to us and um and it meant that it was broken up so the buyers would have to walk the whole show because they weren't like oh that's the whole greeting card section I've seen everything they'd have to walk around and check that they saw everybody or I just placed you know five greeting card orders that's it for me you know yeah 
yeah uh, and not gonna bother with the rest yeah and we had a lot of people coming past being like oh I've never heard of you before I didn't know you were here and I just walked past and I've stumbled across you which in that kind of a layout you're more likely to have that happen but yes if if you're booking a trade show and you're able to see where you are where you might be and choose your location definitely try to do that mm-hmm. um and my second tip would be you know if you're going to have your trade show if you want your walls to be a color pay them to paint it for you it is not worth the heartache <laughs> and the stress and the time to paint it yourself i've seen so many people do it it is it was oh my god at the end of a trade show the last thing you want to be doing is painting your stand back to the white color you just want to pack up and go home i've actually have painted it but not really bother to paint it back and sometimes you, you get fay, fined but it, it, it's still you know not worth the hassle not to paint no. it back but at it, top draw, I think it was like 25 I think it's like 20 excuse me 25 pounds per panel hmm. oh my god just pay the money some things are not worth the trouble yeah um so that's my second tip and you know um you don't need to do a lot to make your sound look professional. But, you know, I've been next to people that don't make much of an effort, had their sign falling off the wall, mm. um, you know, had like three things on, on, on display and it just looks unprofessional. You know, yeah. we, do, we do all our stands ourselves. You can get pre-cut wood online pretty cheaply. OSB is really cheap. OSB is your friend. Um, <laughs> You know, if you're trying to display gift wrap, plumbing fittings and things like that, like go and make your local B&Q or hardware store. If you're a bit creative about those kinds of things, it's very easy to make a professional looking stand for not a super amount of money. I also Um, think lighting makes everything look better. Yes, that's also true. Um, And it's tempting to only have like a couple of lights, um, which we've made that mistake in the past. (laughs) But yes, I agree with you. Lighting does make everything look better. And yeah, I mean, what else? There was something else that I thought of that's gone from my head um, about, oh, and do your research beforehand. Like if you're going to do a top draw, if you want to book in and do a top draw, go Go to the show before the one that you want to do um, and just go around and get ideas. Go and look at people's stands and how they build things and how they display things. Mm. People, you know, if you ask them, they generally don't mind if you take photos, if you explain to them what it's for. You can also do a lot of research on Pinterest and Instagram. A lot of companies will post um, their stand builds and things like that. Um, but go and do your research beforehand. Like, you don't have to go in blind. Yeah. That's that's always a, a good one. And, yeah, just kind of uh, having a bowl of sweets on your stand always helps draw people in, also helps you keep you going. Yeah. But, you know, you can, by the end of the day, you can, you know, uh, uh, you can, we got one of our biggest stockists by kind of drawing her in with a bowl of sweets <laughs> at 5 p.m. on the last day. So it definitely is worth um, having little sneaky ways of getting people to come and say hi to you. Yeah, everyone needs sweets at trade shows. It's like yeah. once you've done a few aisles of just the same, not the same, but you know, you get you you get tired. Oh yeah, yeah. And people want to stop and talk to you if they see a bowl of sweets and they kind of feel bad just taking your sweets, so they're kind <laughs> of happy to stop and talk to you for a while. Yeah, I I've always had sweets. I'm a firm believer in having some. Thing to offer people yeah 
Yeah, and uh, that and likewise, we also um, for us, we also give people like a free postcard. Um, it's good for us because people. I know that there's people that have them pinned up on their boards and mm. their office and stuff like that. But it's also good because it's the same card stock as our greeting cards, so they know it's a reference sample for them. Oh, and you know, people really cool. like like them. So having something that they can take away from your stand um, that isn't super expensive, but it's a nice little bit of marketing, um, you know, and we do it. So we have a mix of different designs on the postcard so people can stop and go through and choose the one that they want. And, you know, so stuff like that, just little things that will stop and have people engage with you for a little bit longer um, definitely helps. That's a great idea. They basically have almost like a sample with them. Yeah. Yeah. And how many stockists do you have now? I don't, I haven't counted it exactly, but it's somewhere near 200 at the moment. Wow. In that short of a time, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's madness. I can't quite believe it either. Um, but yeah. And with, a, you know, with just the two of you and not even yeah. full time for Marco, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but you also have quite a few stockists in the US now. So, how has that happened? So, um, actually, our first U.S. stockist we got through Top Draw, which mm-hmm. was Goods for the Study in New York, which is just like the, the shop that went, oh, my God, the shop that made me want to start it all. And when um, Sarah McNally, who owns it, came past, I was fangirling at her and being like, you made me want to start my brand. And, you know, oh, my God, I love your shop so much. And she was just um, she was just finding it quite funny that I was um, gushing so much Um, and our other big stockist in San Francisco also approached us um, directly they're called Rare Device it's a really nice shop Um, but otherwise like we've had a few people again approach us directly but really what's helped us um, take off is there's a few people now doing um, wholesale marketplaces. Mm. So kind of like Etsy but for wholesale um, where you sign up um, to the website and they take a certain commission off your orders. Um, and that's been really helpful in the last sort of four months. I've got 65 US stockists through wow. that. Wow. That yeah, is a it's lot. Been, it's a lot. It's been phenomenal. And it's funny, I've been approached uh, recently through another two this week, actually two other platforms in Europe doing the same thing. Um, yeah. so people have gotten on to that being a really good way to do it because if you th- like, I know, like, for example, this particular platform takes 25% commission off your first order and then 15% off subsequent orders. Mm. And, you know, for some people, that sounds like a lot. It depends on your margins. But if you think about it, if you were to pay a distributor or an, or an agent, they take some, 30, of them, some, some of them want to take 60%. Yeah, well, I think that too in the US. US um, is ridiculous sometimes with that. Well, actually, it was Australia that wanted to. Oh, really? I had someone in the US wanting 70. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's your whole money. You're paying them to sell you. Like, that's what money are you making? It's nothing. Nothing. So if you think about yeah. it that way. Oh, and, and the good thing is, is that they man, they it's their platform. They market you. They upload mm-hmm. your products. So really, like, it's, it's, it's win-win. Like, there's not really brilliant and you, you couldn't know, yeah. find those stockists otherwise probably you no. know it, it, it is tough and also with the US you have the benefit that a lot of you know those kind of independent US customers they 
they are only ask for 50 percent discount so you can have your wholesale price slightly different can't you yeah well and they you know if they're doing it through the website the good thing is as well with a lot of these platforms now is that they take on the risk um of payment so you're not chasing the payment from these people you get paid no matter what and they chase the the stockist which is Um, amazing oh my god believe me chasing invoices is the bane of my existence um yeah it may it, it, that makes such a difference to know that there is that guarantee that within 30 days I'm going to get paid especially when they're overseas yeah yeah exactly um so and, and for the stockists you know they can opt for different payment terms as well so they can have a little bit longer to pay if they want so you know they have certain security working through something like that as well um mm-hmm. so yeah i it you know it's definitely been an amazing experience um, for me. And how do you find that, you know, when you go through the platform, is it different how you build your relationship with the buyer when you, do you communicate through the platform then or? I mean, some of them just order and you never speak to them. Okay. And that's it. And, and I'll write, I'll put a handwritten note in the order saying thanks, at least for the first one saying thanks for your order and all of that kind of thing to kind of establish some sort of rapport with them. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, um, you know, they'll order and kind of that's that, um, you know, you get that interaction on Instagram and stuff because they'll post about you and, um, and actually, I got an order last night, and immediately after I accepted it, the um, the stockist wrote to me and said, "Oh, I'm so excited to stock your gift wrap." I was like, "Oh, that's so sweet of you." They're, you know, they're really nice. The Amer- like amazing. American people are really very. Um, they're really nice. They're really personable. Like, and we actually, whenever we go to the states, we try and visit our stockists as well. Because um, Marco's mum lives in Chicago, and we've got a lot of stockists in Chicago. They love us in the Midwest. Um, so we've popped in and visited them all and introduced ourselves to people because people, you know, to put a face to a name and, you know, people, I don't know, if you've got more of a personal relationship, they're more likely, I guess, to keep ordering from you and like having that, um, keeping that going. So, yeah. And also talking to you, um, their customers about your products, if they met you. Yeah. Yeah. It changes everything. Yeah. And they can, you know, uh, like you know, Sid from Papersmiths who, you know, we know and we chat to her quite often and, you know, like then they can, you know, I know she mentioned on your podcast about us being, you know, the nicest couple and she yeah. can say that because she's met us and we've interacted and, you know, I mean, and we love working with them and we love Sid and James and everybody there and, you know, you build these relationships and, yeah, you're not just a faceless company, which is nice. And it makes everything better for everyone involved as well. Yeah, definitely. And it means that I can kind of write to them and be like, oh, hey, I've got this new stuff. I think you should try it out. And they know that you're not trying to do the hard sell. Like, yeah. you know, obviously, if they sell more of your product, it's good for you and for them. You know, it's not doesn't feel so salesy when you speak to these people because Marco and I have both worked in retail and there's nothing worse than feeling like you're really doing a sales pitch. Yeah. Um. I just find that really cheesy and I was never, ever good at that. Like the shops that I used to work in, they'd have, you know, you'd have sales budgets and they'd be checking your ratios and all that kind of stuff. And I just found that so cringe. It's not who I am. Like either you like it or you don't. Like nothing I say is going 
to convince you if you if you're not interested in the product you know and more likely if you buy it and you don't like it then you're never going to buy it again and it's going to put a bad taste in your mouth you know so yeah I think you build those relationships and they know that they like you and they like your product and they're happy to work with you um so yeah it's a win-win yeah and how what do you do to stay in contact with people um here in the UK, I guess, where you deal with them kind of directly. We'll drop them an email every so often. You know, if they're like, for example, in September, we didn't um, do a UK trade show. So I emailed all our UK stockists and said, hi, we're, you know, we're doing Maison. I'm popping a catalog in the post for you. You know, I'll email them every so often. Um, you know, hey, do you need a little top up? You know, there's no mm. harm in asking the question. Um, but then you interact with them a lot on Instagram as well. You know, um, there's a lot to be said for always replying to comments, always replying mm. to messages, you know, interacting with their stories, especially a lot of them will post and tag you in stuff. And, you know, it's kind of, and then you repost them so people know about where you are and you're helping them. And, you know, it's just being engaged and having a genuine relationship with them that's not just transactional. Um, and it, it must really be a great feeling when someone tags you and show you their display of your product for example oh yeah it's really nice and seeing how different people do different things and being in people's shop windows or they're posting about it and they're really excited and you know it, yeah it's great I I mean because you know you start it and again you mentioned imposter syndrome and you always think oh god what I like it is anyone else gonna like it am I doing something that's completely rubbish or mm. you know you never know until people start buying it. So it's always nice to have that as a bit of a boost. Yeah. And especially when you have something new, I suppose it's lovely when you launch a new collection and they connect with it. Yeah. Cause you never know, like they might be like, Oh, oh I don't, I don't really like it anymore. Or sometimes, you know, they go, oh, I really like it, but my customers just aren't into it. And mm. you know, that happens too. You're not everyone's cup of tea. No. Uh, you know, which is, you know, it's tough, but that's how it goes that's life I guess yeah so someone that is new to wholesale then what what would you advice would you give them oh someone that's new to wholesale well making make sure that you have like a coherent range so you know um have a look at other other brands like uh, that's what I did when I very first started I looked at other brands that were kind of what I aspired to be and look at the mix of what they have you know they've got some cards they've got a mix of different types of cards a few bits of different types of stationery obviously you know you'll be limited by how much money you can put into things you know it it money is always the the limitation yeah. but you want to try and have a good range of things try not to you know I think approaching it with just cards it's difficult because if you know we have a lot of suppliers now um sorry a lot of stockists that don't buy our cards at all they'll just buy our stationery and it just means that you're more you're stocked in more places mm. where some people will only buy our cards and won't won't take our stationery because you know we're stocked in a few shops that are like plant shops or uh like clothing stores um you know so you want to make sure that you can kind of be in a few different places and be kind of yeah doing different things for different people whilst not kind of being everything to everyone because mm. you can't be but definitely I, I would say the the number one piece of advice is kind of have a range plan and ha try to have a good mix of a variety of products where you're not stretching yourself too far, but you're, you know, you've got a good offering that can do a few things for different people. And, you know, really try and have an idea of what you want your brand to be 
as a you know creatively as well because there's a lot of brands that start out and you think oh god yeah I've seen that before you know uh, I see so many things come up you know yeah okay I don't want to say anything because it will kind of sound (laughs) but I see a lot of things I think oh okay yeah that again yeah it's hard if you set out and try to be different it's really hard to um to to start with that as your goal but I think for me the way that I'll do it and I'll approach it the way that I would design a collection right so I sit down with all my books and I look at all the runway pictures Mm -hmm. and I kind of gather everything together and I'm working through my my sketchbooks and my my diaries and trying to work out right what's feeling right to me this season where am I kind of trying to go creatively I'm not looking at other card brands and going oh I see they've done that and that Mm -hmm. looks really good and everyone's posting about it I'm going to do something similar I, I gather that some people do approach it that way. I I wouldn't. That would be my advice. Yeah. Try and find your own voice. There's space for all of us yeah. without having to step on each other's toes. You can find inspiration everywhere, not yeah. from other people doing the same thing as you. Yeah. And I think yeah. if you do that, if you find inspiration from everywhere and life in general, then no one can ever kind of, compete with you because it's then it's just about what connects with different buyers and different people completely and if you're doing something that is you know like for us like I said I never set out to do something that was completely different it's kind of just what comes out and it happens to be quite unique in the marketplace you know and people appreciate that and and likewise if then someone turns around and tries to do what you're doing it's quite obvious I have a lot of people approaching me and saying oh I've seen this thing it looks really similar to what you're doing and then you know it's very obvious if someone tries to copy yeah. us and people know straight yeah. away that that's what that is so yeah that that helps because yeah like I said some designs you think I've seen people go oh that's such and such is copying me and you go yeah but if you do there's you a lot do. of yeah it, it doesn't have to be you know there will always be a like bare like you know a ceiling to if they're just copying other people there will always be a ceiling to what they can do and how they well completely whereas if you do you they you know you're using your creativity it's kind of endless in a way well exactly and you know I mean like I said everybody knows if you're copying someone I mean for god's sake the amount of people I've seen that have copied Vicky from Mean Mouth and you think oh my god like she has created something that was completely unique and everybody knows it's mean mail. And if yeah. you as a big retailer or a small person goes and copies it, everybody knows. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> and it's not the same. I don't think they have get it. They don't on. have her voice. No, no one can do what Vicky does. Like she is really so clever yeah. with what she does. No one can do what she's doing. And people have tried and it's rubbish. I'm yeah. sorry, but it's, it's just not. It's not what what she does. Yeah. Don't even try. No, you know, and I don't understand the point. Like I just, I don't get it either. It. it doesn't make you. Well, it doesn't make you look good as a brand. You know what I mean? Like if people go, oh yeah, and you look like Mean Mail. Uh, yeah. You know, okay, that that doesn't make you look very good, and no. I don't think that's sustainable. That's not a long term brand. You're not going to build that into something being the knockoff of whoever. You know, maybe those are the kind of business owners that just want to make their money and move on yeah 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 I think so I think that's probably the difference between having an actual brand I guess that you value and that you want to keep growing and yeah yeah 
definitely. What has been your biggest challenge with starting the Completist? A couple of things. I, I, as, I, as I mentioned before, I design a lot. There's quite a bit that comes out. Finding focus and being able to edit and choose the best of everything. Mm. Um, it's always a challenge because you have so many things that you're excited about and, you know, but yeah, having the focus and having a range that's coherent and makes sense to people, that, that can sometimes be a challenge. The other thing I think with any small business owner is like cash flow and managing, getting enough stock, making sure people pay their invoices. As I said to you, I spend a lot of my time <laughs> chasing invoices, yeah. which really sucks. Yeah, um, so boring. You know, it's so boring. And it's also really frustrating because, you know, I mean, I know you have people have cash flow issues, yeah. but like when they ignore your emails, when you're trying, like I'm a small business, you're a small business, you know what this is like. Don't ignore me if you if you need an extra week, just tell me. Yeah, you can get you know, so it, much more from that. You know, it, it's it's it really it, that can really affect like get you down, and you think, oh god, this is just awful, and yeah, that that that's a that's a challenge, and also careers like <laughs> this sounds so. Banal, but honestly, the amount of times and my um, old DPD collection person was worse than my current one. But the <laughs> my DPD guy before, you just never would know if he would show up or not. And that oh. is very, very stressful. The amount of time I've spent on the phone crying to DPD, it's so unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> I have had the same. Well, I still get phone calls from TNT from my old job. Oh, my God. Thank why? You, because I've... Sh- we, we all have asked them to change the phone number in their systems, you know? Yeah. Um, but I used to be the contact person and I'm not anymore. And it's been over a year. I, oh I think it was two weeks ago. I, last I had a phone call from the TNT guy saying, oh, can I come a bit early? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So, look. You think about that and you think careers and I'm heartache to get with careers, but it is this it's always Marco is kind of saying to me, Don't let your blood pressure get to like just calm down, it'll be okay. People understand careers mess things up, like it's it's all right. And it's coming um, into the worst season for it. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, you know, these things happen. Yeah, you, it's out of your control. Yeah. Um, yeah. Completely. And there's no really you know, yes, we want to service our customers the best way we can, but sometimes, you know, it's just worth remembering actually, is it the end of the world if it goes out one day late because the courier didn't collect like planned? Yeah, and if you email people and say, look, my career didn't turn up, I'm really sorry. Mm. I mean, they will understand. The only time when it's an issue is if they don't collect your self-regulator. It's booked into the thing and you will get fined if it's not there on time. But fortunately, I live a five-minute drive from the DPD depot, yeah. so I can go and drop it off myself if worse comes to worse. So Done that too. That is a good thing. <laughs> yep, yep. So, you know, there's there's always ways around things if if you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's solutions. And yeah. most people are, you know, very understandable completely yeah completely so then finally would you share a business it can be a brand or a maker a retailer anyone that you admire that you feel that is doing something that you connect with at the moment 
Yep. So I have a couple Mm -hmm. for you. I'll try to keep it short. Um, So firstly, a brand that um, I admire is um, Emily from Bravery Co. So I met her at um, a panel I did earlier in the year, and she is uh, a two-time cancer survivor and currently battling her third bout of cancer. And she um, basically, she as she was going through cancer the first time, realized there weren't any cool headscarves for people that had lost their hair and were going through chemo. So she decided to make her own company, um, making just really nice scarves and doing scarf tutorials and things like that. And she donates part of the proceeds of, of all her sales to cancer research. And um, yeah, I just think what she, it's such a great idea. And her scarves are really nice. So pretty. Um, and fun. So pretty. And like really fun and bright and colorful. And it's a really nice community that she's built. And she's a really amazing, positive person. And, um, and I'm not just saying this because like, I've actually, I've designed some notebooks and some scarves for her as well. Mm. Um, So but I mean, look, cancer is something that touches all of us. um, And I just think it's such an amazing cause an amazing way to run a business and um, to have a community around something that really is just awful and how much Um, she shares of herself is amazing yeah yeah completely like inspirational and amazing like and genuinely like I know off off screen not like outside of Instagram she's equally as positive and upbeat and you know just really admirable Um, yeah I have a lot of love for what she does and the person that she is and she's just amazing and another company that um I want to give a shout out to that I really admire is um Rosie who runs um LFA and PR Dispatch yeah she um I mean PR Dispatch is a genius idea and I can't believe that you know no one had thought of it beforehand but you know it's you you pay it's it's just so yeah it's genius you could do your own PR and not have to pay someone thousands of pounds a month PR is expensive and you could pay a small fee and you get the contacts and you know and she is a no fuss like what you see is what you get with Rosie she is really straight down the line and she's created a business that is really great and uh, she's a bit of a powerhouse as far as I'm concerned and it's genuinely helping people it genuinely is helping people um you know you see a lot of people getting press and they do it themselves through what she's created and her courses and her and her you know ebooks and all her training and um I just think it's fantastic for small businesses um what what she's creating so I have so much admiration for her and what she's built for herself yeah and it, a PR, PR is one of those scary worlds I think where yeah. traditionally maybe people haven't felt like it was accessible to them or they pay a lot of money and maybe don't get results PR is expensive and people I mean I know from working <laughs> in fashion small businesses and some of them you think oh my god you're paying so much money and then they'd get the clothes on the wrong person or, you know, I it just, yeah, it, it's, it can be a bit of a minefield and you know, your brand the best. I mean, you know, eventually for us, we'd like to be paying LFA to do our PR for us, yeah. but while we're a small brand, you know, paying a small amount per month, to be able to do it ourselves is certainly um, 
a really good way around it um, to build those contacts and get on people's radar. I think that's amazing. And also the fact that she sort of says, well, if you don't have the time, you know, get a VA or someone to help you. That doesn't cost the world, you know. Yeah. But that it's just good, you know, have a good handle in English and, you know, and your brand and that sort of thing and help. Yeah. let them help you and PR is one of those things where it's just a numbers game like you've just kind of got to email people and email people and it's kind of luck whether you're the first one in their inbox or you happen to be the right thing at the, at, a, at the time and you know you kind of she always says you can dedicate two hours a week to PR and you start to see results and you know yeah it, it, she makes it manageable for people that look at it and think it's really overwhelming mm. um so i think i think what she's doing is you know it's a great business idea but it's also really good for small businesses um yeah yeah i really admire that and finally um a, a retailer i admire um that probably doesn't need the shout out but um I could I want to shout them out anyway yeah. is um is is present and correct uh because we've started working with them recently and anyone who's touches stationery at all will know that it's a complete cult retailer yeah. and the ultimate probably <laughs> for everybody that has a stationery company and um you know I just I really admire what Neil has built without like it's I think it's very tempting to build a business and expand into loads of stores and kind of bite off more than you can chew Mm. but I think he's created something that has such a strong visual message people know what they're getting from there and uh he's built something really quite amazing and as someone who is has built this cult brand and this amazing Instagram following. He could really, you know, people like that sometimes can be quite self-important. And he's really not, he is the loveliest person. You can pop in there. He's often in the shop. You can have a chat with him. He's really nice. He's really down to earth, you know, and I. So lovely. So lovely. And I really admire that because, you know, people, people can let it get to their heads and, um, and he really hasn't. And you know that he's built a, brand out of present incorrect he's a perfect example of building something that you believe in and not necessarily just for the money but for for a brand that he's really proud of and yeah he's what we all aspire to be yeah and I to get that kind of following that he has with you know one shop yeah it's quite amazing I it think is like almost 200,000 people. I know. I know. It's incredible. It's really incredible. But you know why? Because he's posting things that people like it's engaging. It's really mm. nice. Um, you know, he has puns on his captions and as someone who loves puns, I love that. <laughs> his Twitter is fantastic. Like he's really got it down. Like he he knows what he's doing. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, I, I've just admire everything about what he's built and yeah as I said we've just started working with him and being stocked in the store and that's kind of the the one of the biggest feather in our feathers in our cap that must, yeah 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 must when be he, such an achievement oh my god when he asked me for my wholesale information I think I, I nearly passed out on the spot <laughs> I was, you know um and if he hears this he'll probably be like laughing because you know, he's a very humble person and I don't know whether he realizes this is how people feel about um, his business and his brand but yeah just like oh my god telling people oh, President Correct just got in touch and they want to stop <laughs> us oh my god you know uh, yeah it's it's a great feeling to know that people that that you really admire 
want to work with you. It's really um, good validation. It's the coolest thing ever, really. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Yeah. But we love all our stockists, you know, every <laughs> well, one of them. We love all of them. Like we have the nicest stockists, honestly, like um, they're, we, we have really lovely people that we work with. So um, we're very fortunate in that respect. Like I said, from the big guys, from our Selfridges buyer, who is just the nicest, um, you know, right down to my local stockist down the road that I can, you know, I pop down there and drop stuff in. You know, they're all the nicest people. It's a privilege then to do your job if you have nice yeah. stockists. Yeah, yeah. It's really nice. to Like I said, as much as they like chatting with us and I really like working with those people. It's it's mm. really nice, you know, and you're not kind of getting an email and going, oh, God, that person. You know, I don't feel like that that about any of the people I work with which is a nice change from working in the corporate world let me tell you so nice I think that was one of the reasons why I wanted to work with small businesses again you know like that's what I started doing you know over a decade ago yeah and then like having to just deal with like bigger accounts and more money and all these things and where you just went like another email yeah. instead of being so happy that they you're getting a top-up order from someone that you know you know is really happy because yeah. they just needed more stock sooner than they wanted to yeah and it's, they just, would. and it's nice seeing them at trade shows and you have a chat and you give them a hug and it's, yeah. it's really nice yeah um so yeah we're we're very fortunate so Tell us as well how listeners can connect and find you. Yeah, so, uh, well, through our Instagram, which is at the.completest. Someone took all the the handles that were just the completest, which is annoying. Um, So I've got different variations on everything. Um, (laughs) On on Twitter, we are completestLDN. um, And mostly I just kind of um, retweet uh, things from present and correct and also cat (laughs) cat pictures and cat videos. Nice. um, Because we are cat lovers over here. And our website, which is uh, the hyphen completist.com so i will put all the links to everything you mentioned and your social media and website on in the show notes so if you don't remember that don't worry just look at the show notes yeah thank you so much for chatting with me again (laughs) no problem thank you for having me again (laughs) i really really appreciate it and thank you no worries thanks Thank you so much, Yana, for coming on the podcast twice. And thank you to all of you who are listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you do have a minute, I really would appreciate it if you popped over to iTunes and rated and reviewed this podcast. It really helps a small business owner such as myself. I'm sure that you know that reviews can really make a difference whether that is over on your Etsy or wherever you are selling. I will be back next week and thank you so much for listening.